everybody, and welcome to another episode of Indie Comic Spotlight, the show where we do a deep dive into an ongoing series or graphic novel from a company other than the big two. And today, here in Creator Corner in Indie Comic Spotlight land, is from First Second Books, which, by the way, if people, people, you're not on the First Second Books bandwagon, you're wrong. You should get on that bandwagon. They are killing it. Them, Oni Press, swinging for the fences and bringing out all the good, good. And so today, I have. Thanks, Chantel, for making this happen again. I can't believe she said, hey, do you want to talk to Faith? I was like, um, yes. Writer, artist of the new book at multiple art, multiple other books, but the book we're here to talk about today, Hockey Girl Loves Drama Boy, just released from First Second Book. Hello from the Great White North. How are you, Faith? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, this book is gorgeous. As I was telling you off air, I picked it up from NetGalley because I'm, I'm, I'm such a nerd. Um, that that I first second books auto approves me now on NetGalley, so that's like my favorite drug is NetGalley, where it's like you're just gonna give me free books and all I gotta do is go talk about them. Wow, I can't believe that's the that's the trade off. So, but then Faith was like, or then uh, Chantel yeah, was yeah. like, yeah, and then Chantel was like, hey, do you want to talk to Faith? I was like, I do. So you're here. Uh, this book is gorgeous. Um, I can't wait to talk about it. I think that that you. We're not going to spoil anything, people, because the book just came out. But I just want to say to you, way to stick the landing. I mean, thank you. It was a mic drop of a, I, well, like I got to the end and I was like, and it wasn't, you know, it's digital, so I can kind of see how, you know, but you don't know for sure how many pages are left in a digital edition. I was like, wow, so good. Um, so before we get into Hockey Girl Loves Drama Boy and what it's like to be Canadian famous and all the things that we'll have to discuss. We, the first time anybody new comes on, we go back in time and we find out your comic book origin story. So you didn't wake up, like nobody accidentally makes graphic novels, Faith. No, definitely you have not. To love the, you have to love the <laughs> yeah. art first. So, so get in the time machine and little Faith, what, what, what was your first comic? What was your attraction? Obviously you write and draw. So talk about how you turned your love of the form into your job. Let's hear all about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, you know, like, I feel like, like, like many Canadian kids, I grew up reading um, Tintin and Asterix. Uh, I, you know, Tintin is a classic. I, I feel like it is, it is very, very well known. I feel like at this point, most Americans are familiar with it. Uh, but yeah, Tintin. And we're covering because... it. I'm good. We're going. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I've got a, a New Zealander and I actually are doing volume by volume. Every, every few months he comes on, we do another Tintin in. So we're, we're doing it for sure. Yes. I'm nice. with you. I loved, yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. They're great. Um, and growing up reading them, I, you know, those were my favorite, my favorite books period growing up. And I feel like it was pretty much how I learned to read. Um, you know, it was very accessible for me as someone, you know, a, a kid who was trying to read because of course you can link the images to the words. Um, so once I got a little bit older, I actually got very much into web comics. Um, you know, I'm an elder millennial and I was definitely part of, I feel like possibly the first wave of people going online and, and searching for comics. And, uh, then I started producing my own comics and putting them online. Um, and I feel like that's really how I fell in love with the medium and fell in love with with making comics was just by making my own free web comics and putting them online. And, you know, I, I 
I never thought that comics would be my job, um, particularly at the time that I was making them online. It was very late 90s through mid aughts. And at that particular time, I felt like there was not a lot of room for a creator like me within publishing spaces. Um, occasionally you'd see a graphic novel like Fun Home published and that would become a very big sensation. But I, I feel like those um, those types of, of graphic novels were very few and far between. Um, so I didn't know as much as I enjoyed comics, I, I didn't really think of it as a potential career. Uh, my training, my background is actually in animation. I went to college for classical animation and worked in the animation industry for a few years. Uh, before magically transitioning into making comics full-time. Um, but yeah, like, so I, I started getting published by an indie publisher. There was, uh, I, I don't think they're still around, but throughout the, the I believe the 90s and some of the odds, there was a publisher called SLG Publishing and uh, based out of California. And they had, they would publish like Johan Vasquez's work or uh, Roman Dirge. So it was it was like counter programming, I guess, to uh, superhero comics. It was, you know, aimed at like teens who shopped at Hot Topic and that kind of thing. But I, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> that was a, that was their logline. Teens who we we should sell this in Hot Topic is what they should. I feel like they did for a nice. while. Like I That's awesome. I assume they don't anymore. But I I mean it's been a million years since I've been in a Hot Topic. Um, but you know, throughout the late aughts, that was actually when I got in touch with First Second. Um, and they, at first I, I drew a graphic novel for them that they bought the script for. It was uh, a middle grade horror book called Brain Camp, very much in the line and similar to like Goosebumps or R.L. Stein. Um, and then they bought my book Friends with Boys and which was my fourth published graphic novel. But I feel like that was the one where I guess my, the voice that I, I use now to tell my stories, the cartooning skills that I have, that was when those skills and that voice really started coming together to create something that was um, a little more professional, a little more cohesive, a little more mature. So Friends with Boys, I feel like was the first time when the graphic novel and comic book industry started to take notice of me. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's Kind of the short version. No, I like it. Uh, it's a of good my version. comics origin story. I love it. I love it, and and it's okay. fun because um, I, you said something interesting there. Uh, you said lots of interesting things there, but like cartooning is a is a fun word. Um, mm -hmm. and again, I know like Judd Winnick calls himself a cartoonist, and I know Raina thinks of herself mm -hmm. as an illustrator. And you kind of, I mean, you have a style similar to them. But it's funny yeah. that you use different words for it. Um, Brenna Thumler says illustrator. Um, mm -hmm. You know, she's kind of got the same vibe that you've going on. You're, when you write and draw your own thing, like all four of you do. Um, so that's interesting. So is it is the cartooning, is that just, a, is that a Canadian? Is that like the word for what you do? Or do you consider yourself like what you and Raina and Judd and Brenna do different than like what, which we'll bring her up in a minute, but we'll just get there. Not like what Fiona Staples does. Is that is that what you're thinking? Like she's an she's a comic book artist and you're a cartoonist and like, or illustrator that that's just such a fascinating word. And from, as, as somebody who is a writer, but has no artistic skills whatsoever, I'm fascinated by the, just the terminology. I feel like I use a lot of 
a lot of different terms to describe myself and describe my job. And I try to be flexible depending on the person who's talking to me. Mm. Um, Cause I, you know, like I feel like sometimes people don't understand what graphic novels are. Like I, I remember, I remember one person saying to me, um, Oh, graphic novels. Well, is that like a prose novel with lots of sex and violence? <laughs> That would be well. I mean, technically, yeah. it could be. And, yeah, and yeah, like I, I can understand how they would have that interpretation of the term. Um, and then other times, if I'm talking with someone, I'll, I will use the term cartoonist. Um, other people call me a graphic novelist. I call myself an author, which you know is is true. Of course. Um, and you know, like sometimes when I'm I'm describing what I do to people who might have a might not have a lot of familiarity, I say I write and draw comic books, and they seem to understand that. So I I feel like I'm to be honest, I'm not really attached to one term over over another. Um, you know, I always I don't know. I feel like I feel like this this discussion has not popped up. Uh, online recently, but I feel like for a while there was these huge discussions online happening about the term graphic novel versus comic book. Mm. And I, I gotta be honest, like, I, I don't care what you call my work just as long as you buy it. <laughs> and people should, that's awesome. Lovely. That's again, look at all the cool zingers you've yes. got. You think you should be selling this on your, on your website. <laughs> uh, FaithHarenHicks.com for those of you who are, who are clicking the link right now in the, in the show notes. Um, no, that's cool. I just, I just, I, cause you know, like, what do you, like we were talking off air and I'm a teacher and I say I'm a teacher, but I'm yeah. technically a university professor. That's my official title. Yeah. But, but it's like, I teach, I don't profess, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I'm not like stand around y'all. Let me tell you the L you know, it's like, let's, I, I try to help people learn. Um, you know, so it's what we name ourselves, what we say we do matters. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know. I just, thanks for, thanks for indulging me. Um, no, that's fine. I mean, the, yeah. to be honest, the only the only label I'm actually a little bit uncomfortable with is illustrator, just mm. because when I think of an illustrator, I think of someone who specifically works in a single image format, you know, oh, so nice. maybe okay. editorial illustration or book illustration or so I think of that specifically. And I, I do consider what and you know what I do is specifically sequential illustration like it is yes. still illustration but I, I feel like it's a different way of communicating um but I am you know like I I, I guess I fit under that umbrella um I don't know I, I do feel like all of these labels probably apply to me I am a writer I am an artist I am an illustrator I am an author I am a graphic novelist I am a cartoonist yeah so that part is you're like it's kind of fun. I know some people get really attached to their labels, and you know, if you find one that really works for you, then you know, by all means, use it. But I don't know. I, yeah, I, I do. I do feel like the only one I'm I'm slightly uncomfortable with is is Illustrator, just because I associate the term Illustrator with a certain type of drawing, even though maybe I shouldn't. No, but I think well, that again, it's your your job. It's you describing yeah. you. So to me, it's just that's why I that's why I hardly have any notes when I start a show. I mean, I have. A couple that I for sure want to talk because I just want to see where where we go. And I, I again, it, it's such a cool thing that you do. It's it, you know people who are listening to this, me, you know, comic fans. Like this is exciting. Like again, just with, with a chance to meet you, I was like, yes, please. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, like so. So to that end, uh, we talked a little bit about it. So we'll we'll say that. Like so, in the book, and again, we're not going to spoil. This book is 
beautiful. I love it. I love the choice. Like we're going to have to talk a little bit about the color choice. I I will be remiss if we don't do that. But in the book, there's a running gag um, about Alex's mom being an artist and she's Canadian famous. And they keep saying, oh, she's famous. They're like, oh, she's Canadian famous. And they go on and on. And I can actually hear the voice. Like I hear, I grew up in Michigan, you know, I grew up like Windsor's right there. And, And so I, I work with people who I, my school is still in Michigan. I don't live there because I'm online, but like, you know, I have a couple of Canadians who work for us. So when we, you know, you hear the accent, but every time it was like the Canadian famous, it was like, I almost felt like Alex and, and Ezra were really leaning hard on that. But so that's a thing like you yeah. consider yourself. So as I said, so the question is, so I've now interviewed you and mm-hmm. Hillary Jenkins mm-hmm. and you guys are then by your definition. And I think you're famous people. I'm honored to have met you both, but you guys are Canadian famous. Whereas Fiona Staples is famous, famous. And that's the difference between the difference between you is the difference between the two is what? That people outside of Canada know who you are? Well, to be honest, I I feel like I am not Canadian famous because mm. I almost exclusively work with American publishers. Oh. So the market that I deal with is American. And the book doesn't really go into this this particular definition, but there is kind of this like Canadians I feel like Canadians in the arts in particular I feel like we do have a bit of a um an inferiority complex when it comes to the U.S. because it's like you're so much bigger than us and your industries are your arts industries in particular are so much bigger and the people who are at the top of those arts industries are propelled to a certain level of fame that you don't necessarily get in a country that is significantly smaller, a country the side of can the size of Canada. However, because Canada is so much smaller than the U.S. and because America's voice, especially when it comes to the arts, is so like dominant, um, there's a lot of support for the arts within Canada. So you know, there's a grant system. There is a very robust publishing industry here that specifically caters to the Canadian market. So I do have a I have a friend who um, works in publishing and publishes uh, uh, young reader graphic novels and also picture books. And she is only like not not exclusively, but mostly for, you know, the extent of her career has worked within the Canadian publishing industry. So her experience with publishing is very different from mine because I, I my work is published by American publishers and goes out to an American audience. Um, and yeah, at the beginning of my career, like I was I was very nervous to set a graphic novel in Canada because I was told right up front basically that by by an agent not my agent but an agent that graphic novels about American or about Canadians would not sell to an American audience but you know obviously that's not the case clearly not true yeah yeah that's not the case so like you know over the course of my career as I become more established I like start slipping more and more Canadianisms into my graphic nice that's amazing (laughs) yeah uh but yeah like Again, it's like I don't really define the term in um, in the graphic novel in Hockey Girl Loves Drama Boy, but I do kind of think of it as being like locally famous, sure. You know, and then also like supported very specifically by your local community, um, and you know, like there's something wonderful about that because there is yeah. That's gl- but at the listen, same time, I love it. I love what you guys do. Like, thanks. Here's the thing that that I think is is smart. 
And I get everything that you said, that is such a point of clarity because I never really thought about it from that perspective. Again, growing mm-hmm. up as, you know, in Canadians, as a Canadian neighbor, um, mm-hmm. like knowing about this, knowing that you guys do really care and that they're like, even your sports teams, it's like a certain percentage of players in the Canadian Football League or in the, and you know, if you're going to be working for the, for the Blue Jays or whatever, a certain percentage of the people have to be Canadian. Like you guys care about that stuff and that you're like, we have the National Endowment for the Arts, which is constantly under threat by crazy people who think art doesn't matter because they're idiots. Uh, you guys, though, are like, no, no, <laughs> it matters. We're going to double down. We're going to triple down. We're going to make sure that our artists get get the grants that they deserve because you recognize it. And so while it is, yes, preserving Canadian voices, it's also saying to the next generation, art matters, that, you know, yeah. we're supporting faith, we're supporting, and whether you earned one of those art grants or not, it's like, you get to do, you got to see the art you saw because of that art grant. So even if it wasn't that you got it, or the Tamakis didn't get it, or Cecil mm-hmm. didn't get it, you know, these other folks. Oh, I've had Cecil on. Another Canadian. Hey. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I love Cecil. Oh, she's um, amazing. Yeah. But yeah, like- I actually, so I, I did get a grant very early in Oh, my you did? That's awesome. Yeah. And like that was, and it wasn't a ton of money, but it, it basically allowed me to continue working full-time in comics. And once I actually served on a board distributing grants, uh, that was, that was a long time ago. Um, gosh, like probably close to 10 years ago, but it was so exciting because I was able to give a grant to, um, shoot, now I've forgotten his name. Uh, he published under the pen name, Ethan really, oh, Hartley Lynn. Hartley Lynn is, is his actual, his actual name, but he published under a pen name, Ethan really, I believe. Um, Um, but he did an amazing comic book series and I was able to encourage the other, the other members of the grant board to actually give him money. And, you know, that was wonderful. I feel like it's one of the, you know, one of the big achievements of my career that I was able to help an artist who I'm a big fan of to actually get money in order for him to produce more comics. Oh, that's lovely. That just, that chokes me up because art matters actually it's funny cecil sent me this after we met um she i had her on when they finally got to finish plain jane's her and jim oh nice so yeah she sent me the art saves pin um nice. yeah god that book is gl- glorious and i it's probably not a day goes by where i don't that's sitting right next to me where i don't think about art how important art is and so i love hearing that and um boy now that so speaking of art we get all choked up about this stuff um <laughs> And that, like, it matters. It's so important to me. Um, And that's part of why I do the show. And I just love that I get to talk to people about it. Um, This book, Hockey Girl Love Drawn Boy. So to me, I'm flipping through Neck Alley. I see your name. I see the cover. Click. I just clicked. I didn't even read the thing. I was like, that looks awesome. I love the way that you set it up. You do judge books by the covers, you know, as the artist who did this cover. And then you trick us. So again, we're not going to spoil, but you do this glorious full color thing. And then inside, the only thing is blue. Yeah. Talk about that. That was, it's what it, you pulled the, but it works. It works. I like it. Oh, I'm glad. What, what was your, was that always the thing where you always going to punk us? Because you give us a full gorgeous color and then you do the blue only. So I'd love to hear your. Cause I don't think that's super spoilery. They're going to know by page one. No, no. <laughs> that's what's yeah. I, I, so like, I definitely hope that people are not disappointed by the fact that it, it is two color. It is not, not full color. Um, my last few books had been full color. So I did, uh, did the nameless city trilogy, which was a middle grade series. 
Um, and then I did Pumpkin Heads, which was young adult that was also in color. And then uh, I did another middle grade book called Ride On, which was also in color. Um, so my feeling is generally that middle grade comics, I feel like middle grade readers expect their books to be in color, um, with the exception of manga, but manga is a whole different thing. It is completely different, you know, a completely different category from original graphic novels. So that is generally the way that I work. I, I feel like if I'm writing and drawing a middle grade book, um, typically that book will be full color. Um, however, I knew Hockey Girl Loves Drama Boy was going to be a moody drama slash romance, and it would be aimed at an older audience. It would be aimed at teens and up. Um, and I felt like that audience is more, I guess, they're fine with books being original graphic novels, non-manga graphic novels being in black and white, you, you know. You know, and, and I personally like the touch of color, the little bit of the splash of blue on the pages. So, you know, if you look at graphic novels, like, I mean, Heartstopper is the big one right now. And that one is black and white with a color accent. Um, Bloom, another young adult romance graphic novel published by First Second had uh, blue coloring on it, but just blue. Um, Hockey Girl Loves Drama Boy has gray shading and then like a blue accent on each page. Um, and I just felt like it would, that particular style of not finishing the look of the book, it's, so it's not colored, but finishing the look of the book um, would really work for enhancing the moodiness and enhancing the, the drama in the story. So that was my thought process. Uh, hopefully people will not feel cheated. We will see. Um, no, it's I haven't gorgeous. seen... Oh, thanks. Yeah. Like I haven't seen really many complaints. I, I do see people sometimes saying, well, I, I do prefer color, full color. Uh, but then sometimes, you know, when I publish a color book, I see people saying, well, I prefer black and white. So of course. you can't, you can't win. I mean, except for like, for me, the only one that I'm, I, I have not looked at the color one is Kirkman is doing a uh, walking down in color. Oh, and, okay. and I, yeah. See, you made the that same sound. Strange. Yeah. Because yeah. you're like part of the thing. Like, I don't want that in color. <laughs> I'm not yeah. I need it to be what it is. Um, yeah, but for the most part, you know, it, to me, it, it fits the mood. It fits the tone. And, yeah. and the fact there's something very specific that's happening here. It's very, um, as, as a, as a, as a, you're a, you said you're a millennial. I'm a Gen Xer and my favorite mm. movie. My, I, mean, I hate to say this because people are like, you're going to hang up the call. But like the movie I've seen the most is Heather's. Um, uh -huh. And so the color, the colors matter in that. And so the fact that you chose blue, you didn't choose green, you didn't choose, you know, like you said, the muted grays, there's white, and then there's blue. And it's very specific, and you get the sense of it. And and as the, this book deals with rage, and mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think if it had been in color, some of those rage scenes, mm. I, I, I don't know that I would have, I mean, I, I was moved by the whole book. And again, you the ending is so good. I like to just want to read the whole thing again. Um, but now I know how it ends, but I'm still like, yay, it's going to be so dissatisfying. Um, but the way that you capture the uh, rage works. I think the black and white works, the black, the black and gray and blue, like the lines, especially when the rage monsters taking over Alex, mm. boy, we've been yeah. there. I mean, you, you yeah. it's, a, it's a young adult book, but it is so everybody knows that feeling, whether you're 17 or 15 or 55. Wow. Yeah. That mm -hmm. is so good. So what? 
you you say it's like a moody teenage romance, but there's this underlying traumatic, and I know, I know that word gets overused sometimes, but like they both, both of our heroes have experienced different levels of trauma and they both have rage issues, um, which again is not an, a shocking thing for moody teenagers living on an island. Um, I mean, <laughs> sure, that's going to happen, but you, you capture that so well. Like, so was that always, did that part that the, did the rage monster part of the story was that always the crux or did that happen once you met Alex and Ezra? I definitely was thinking about it when I was, when I started thinking about the story and for me, anger and rage, um, you know, which are, which are emotions as opposed to like aggression, which is someone acting out their emotions in a way that is oftentimes inappropriate. Um, but for me, like anger, it can be very frightening. And I wanted to portray that on the page. Um, you know, I'm a, I don't know, I'm a very anxious person. And, you know, I struggle. Same. Yeah, you know, and I, if I see someone getting angry, or even if I get angry my, myself, like I, I find that frightening. Um, so yeah, that was, that was definitely a deliberate choice on my part with with this comic it's like the visual depiction of anger not as like someone acting out and being aggressive but how do you feel when you get angry when you feel like uncontrollably angry how how does that feel from you know that that inner feeling and how does it come out oh and it's it and it's funny because again i also i have anxiety and and it's a, it's an issue for me mm-hmm. um yeah. so it is true it is true you 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 articulated it perfectly like then when anger happens you're like cuz anxiety it can go you can run away and you know close the door and cry or you can fly like you cuz you you want to control it and and showing these two characters who are at different edges of that is really well done but like there's a lot of bullying in in this book too which again because it's high school and high school sucks. And the way that you portray the movement of the bullying, never, ever seen that done before. It, it has a visual representation. And I, again, not going to spoil it because people just, you just need to go buy this book. But like, again, was that, like once you realized you were going to have bullies do bullying things, how did you make that um, that that decision to visually represent it the way that you do? As opposed to it just being like, oh, she's got a bitchy look on her face, which of course she does. And then you can see Alex and Alex looks distraught. There's like a couple of lines where you're like, even, you know, like in movies, you're always like when you're, I always think of when Capra lit Donna Reed um, in, in It's a Wonderful Life, you know, and it's like, she's all glowing and her eyes are lit up and all that. You do the opposite where you're like the dark cloud just over all of Alex's, like that middle part of her face. So you show us all of that, but then there's this other representation of anger in a really specific, unique way, the bullying movement. Mm-hmm. What was your, like, again, did that happen? Like once you drew the page, you're like, you know, it would be cool if I, cause it is sequential art so I can move their eyes. Or was that just always like you envision that or that's what it felt like to you. So you just were representing it. I definitely wanted to represent it visually right from the beginning. Like that was definitely a goal. Um, it wasn't like I I drew the scene and then wanted to add something mm. that visually represented anger or bullying. Like, you know, it, and Alex's coach who, you know, is a horrible person. She's the worst. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, she's a horrible person. Like she even brings up this issue, but I, I or not this issue, but this, um, this, Oh, what is it? I don't I don't even know what it's called. 
saying, I guess, uh, the whole saying of like sticks and stones will break your. She bones, does but, say that, but but yeah. names will never hurt you, and it's like I hate that. Like I hate that because it's like for me, the most traumatic experiences of my childhood was someone being verbally awful to me. You know, like. <laughs> like words genuinely hurt and they can really yeah really like hurt a person and I also wanted to depict that you know uh Alex's I mean nemesis or the person who bullies Alex like she doesn't do anything physically to Alex but she speaks poorly of her and makes Alex feel awful about herself and I just wanted to visually depict that feeling that you get when someone is, you know, berating you or making you feel small and just doing it out of the cruelty of their heart. Um, so yeah, that was very important to me. I knew from the beginning that I wanted to visually depict that, that That's feeling. Perfect. It's so well done. And again, Thank you. you deal with that. And there's this whole line. I just read a book uh, not that long ago, another Neck Kelly book. Neck Kelly, the greatest drug in the world It's called Sensitive. Um, <laughs> and it is like, I'm a person who is told you're being too sensitive. You're oversensitive. Yeah. My whole life, yeah. you're oversensitive. What if I'm the right sensitive? What if this yeah. is just who I am? But that, yeah. you know, and you, and again, I felt like you were, I know we just met, but I was like, wow, she is singing a lot of songs. Like I, I, um, <laughs> I was, I was there. I'm like, I'm applauding and asking for an encore because you really do hit a lot of like excellent emotional beats and you show the unfairness of it, especially because like you said, the coach is a terrible person, but her mom even sort of says this and other people kind of say it to Ezra too, about like, you're being oversensitive. And then Ezra does it to Olive later and he doesn't mean to. And I feel bad for Olive for all the reasons I'm supposed to feel bad for Olive again, no spoilers, but wow. Well done. Way to take a side character and crush us, crush our little hearts. (laughs) The look on uh, her face, like oh, I know, I know, I know, oh. I know. Like, I, you know, I don't know what the future is for this book, but my my hope is that it will be successful enough that for a second will let me do a sequel because I, you know, like there are side characters that I would love to explore more of. Um, and Olive, is yeah, one of them. I hope. Oh my yes, god, yes, she's she delightful. Is. She's yeah. so. Oh, thanks. Her yeah. heart is big, and it is our. Yeah. It's. As soon as you meet Olive, like if you've read a book before and you know things and you see the way you drew her, you're like, oh, mm. Olive's you here to get person. trampled on later. Oh, and I she's know. here for it. And she's like saying, she's rolling out her heart. She's like, please, Ezra, step on my heart. Um, yeah, that one, like, I've definitely been the Olive in <laughs> other people's lives. Uh, you know, I've had that experience when I was younger. Haven't and, we all? Um, so <laughs> I have great, I have great empathy for that character, and I feel like she ends in a place that's that's good, that's hopefully healing for her. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'd I'd love to do more stories about these characters, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see how the well. We're goes. here to help. Sometimes we're push. Oh, we want that. So let's talk a bit about Ezra, his sexual okay. fu- fluidity, which again, not a super spoiler, but it's it's part of the story. So I would be remiss if we didn't discuss it. And then we have to talk about his They Might Be Giant shirt, which is very <laughs> yeah. important to me as, a, as a, somebody who just saw them again recently, um, you know, 35 years after seeing them the first time. Um, so we'll talk I'm about- I'm impressed you recognized it. As oh a, as my a god! I shirt. freaked out. I actually screenshotted it. I was like, nice. I, it's just so I would remember. Um, yeah. Science is real, folks. Science, and I appreciate that real. you put that in there. Um, and of course, he's the right age that he would have liked them. Like, cause yeah. I'm 50, so I 
bet they might be giants as a as a teenager and i've been with them the whole time but there is a generation of kids which would be them who discovered they might be giants from their kids music so then yeah. of course he would have a science yeah. is real shirt and then you grow up and you're like science is real that is amazing <laughs> exactly. so I, I just want to thank you for recognizing the greatest nerd no, rock band in the no, history of the world it's perfect i've actually so uh i am not a concert goer i have seen two concerts in my entire life and one of them was they might be giants here in vancouver and that was the shirt that my husband bought at the the concert and they were an absolute delight aren't they amazing i just saw them they played four hours oh wow yeah the concert we went to was really long as well i feel like it was it was longer than three hours and when you yeah when you've got that much music (laughs) yeah right we did too yeah but you know, when you've got that much music, you don't need an opening act. You just play forever. Yeah, yeah. They're and you're still, yeah. they are, and you still leave, and you're like, oh, I wish they played chess piece face. And you're like, they can't. They played all hits, nothing but hits the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I. Anyway, so I appreciate that. So Ezra's sexual fluidity and love for yes. they might be giants. Um, we discussed one. We get it because he's genius and he loves they might be giants as all people should. Um, but that was an interesting choice that you made and you deceive us, you deceive Alex, but not really. I mean, he knows who he is the whole time. He's pretty confident and the cover gives it away. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know what they're going to end up together. So again, it's not, you're not pulling it out from under us, but that I love the way he's so comfortable with, he's like, I don't even want to say that I'm by, they really, Mm -hmm. everybody wants to paint him into a specific box and he doesn't want to. So I appreciated that. What was your, um, I mean, it would, it's fine. There's nothing wrong to just say, well, I'm by, that's just it. But he's like, well, I don't know. So what yeah. was your, did you know, did he come to you fully formed that way? Or was it like once you met him and you started writing him, you're like, well, I think he dated trans person. He dated, uh, you know, he dated a non-binary person. Might as well, why label him? Like, yeah. is that what just, once you met him, you realized that's what he was. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Like that was, that was part of his personality right from the beginning. Um, I, you know, I was not a confident teenager. I was not someone who was confident in my sexuality or, or anything when I was a teen. I do feel like that's pretty rare. I didn't know who I was, um, but I loved the idea of writing a character who is just so comfortable with themselves and comfortable with their sexuality. And, um, you know, he he enjoys dating. He enjoys just getting to know people. And that does kind of get him in trouble because, you know, he's, uh, he's a bit of a dater and And, you know, sometimes he ends up maybe not listening to people who might like a little something more than just dating. But, you know, that that's that's part of his humanness and part of his own his old character. Um, But, yeah, I always knew from the beginning that um, he would be fluid sexually. Like I'd probably put him in the bisexual camp, but, you know, he he prefers no labels. And that's something that I, I just really enjoyed. But then also, you know, like. There, his some of his friends they do like labels and that's right. something that I made very clear at the at the beginning in the story it's like there's nothing wrong with labels if you have a label that works for you that's awesome um and yeah for me like growing up like I was very obsessed with labels and I really really wanted certain labels and then you know years later they ended up not fitting and I was like well, why was I so obsessed with this particular label like why was I so desperate for it to apply to me um so yeah, I just like the idea of someone who was confident, very self-assured in in his sexuality, but also just not interested in labeling himself at that particular point in his time. And yeah, like Alex kind of gets thrown for a loop. Like one thing I do think is kind of funny with uh, 
bisexual characters and especially like male bisexual characters is that people typically assume people meaning like other characters in the story do typically assume that they're gay right. rather than assuming that they're bi right correct so i mean i i think that's kind of funny hopefully nobody finds that offensive but i, I no, i thought it was i thought it was pretty accurate i thought it was uh, yeah. it is the way that it is it's like if you're um if you're a woman a bisexual woman and mm-hmm. you date men or women for whatever reason it's like people people like because people are dumb and they're like willingly <laughs> accepted bisexual women, but like men. Yeah. Yeah, and there's like one, my favorite show of the last ever crazy ex-girlfriend when Daryl sings oh, yes. getting by and um, he sings that whole song about it because he's like, people say, Oh, you're just gay. Why not? You just go gay all the way. And and like, because yeah. of course he's a man, if it, if it were a woman singing that song, no one would say it. So I think it is really accurate. And especially for a young man. And again, because mm-hmm. Um, the bullies, uh, Greg, is that his name? His, his great, his, yeah, bully, something like that. yeah his bully is yeah. also dating her bully. Um, so they share bully, they share a bully couple, um, <laughs> which bully I like, I thought that was important too. Cause you're like, like, like hate needs to be together. Like, so I, I think that was important, but like, just take no- these two horrible people <laughs> out of the dating pool, put them just- together and then like fly them off to some remote island oh, and they can stay there for they, not Vancouver Island, which seems delightful. No, no, having never, having never been, Island. but I, I've heard lovely things about Vancouver. It's very pretty. Yeah. I've heard that. I, I like, I really enjoy um, what you did, but I think it's true too. I think that the, the, the way that he bullies him for being gay and mm. then he's not, and he, and I, what I like best is he doesn't try to correct him because, and there's yeah. a line later that, and I appreciated the line and the way that he handles it. And again, they're all very mature about some things and then totally stupid. Like the way that he is about his mom's boyfriend is totally stupid. So I appreciate yeah. that because that's how humans are. We're really yeah. good at what some things and we're terrible at others. But like that lot, like when he's like, why don't you go suck a dick? And he's like, I will. And it was just <laughs> yeah. like such a great comeback. And he was like, yeah, that's not going to make me mad at all. So I just appreciated the way that he handled it and then lean hard into it. And then somebody's like, well, maybe we should, maybe we should let everybody know that you're dating Alex, because if you were by, maybe they'd be less of a dick to you. And he's like, well, yeah. why would I care? Like, yeah. I don't want him to be my friend. He's the worst. Yep. Yeah. Um, Thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm it's so, so good. with you. Thank it you. Was, it's I just, really appreciate it. I just really think it was really smart. And I think it's, what you did was, I read a book recently, and I'm not going to say what it is to not hear shit on other people's art. But what I'm going to say is that somebody wrote a book that I read recently where they made, like, like if Chandler Bing was the first, was the narrator of the story. So every joke was like that. And it was exhausting. And I was oh, like, I can't, I, right? See? But yeah. what you chose to do the right way is that you gave Ezra the funny things to say at the right time. He knew when to do it. He knew when to pull it back that's what real funny people are like funny people aren't on all the time. Like that's why Chandler's not the star of friends. He's the side character on friends. Cause you can't handle a whole episode about him. It's exhausting. And so I just appreciated that. You're like, he knew how to, how to absorb a punch, how to give one back. He knew how to be funny. He knew how to be charming. Like that old man who comes in the shop. He's just like, I thought about that scene. It was just a throwaway scene. You know, when I say that, like it doesn't, move the plot along but it's such a character developing scene for him like you just every character i feel like i know him that like i get the boyfriend brian he's like so desperately wants ezra to like him and he's like i'm nice why are you and he never one time just grabs him and shakes him and so it's like because i would want to shake Ezra. like dude this guy's awesome quit being such a jerk to him so i just appreciated the way that you lived inside the character so and i know we're, we're running out of time but i would because it is such a character driven story 
and you said these other characters have have stories to tell. So do you, when you develop them just behind the scenes for us nerds who want to know how you do it, you develop Alex and, and Ezra. And then as you make the other characters, how do you just decide like you knew Olive was going to you know, be important as part of the story. And obviously, you know, the moms are the scene when they get back on the boat and the two moms are angry. Like that was a <laughs> silent panel of perfection. But like, how did you decide whose characters would blossom and who they would be? Did they do they talk to you? Was it just like this fits the story or what was your reasoning for for how to make the people who they were? Uh, one of my favorite authors, um, so she's, uh, she's a science fiction and fantasy author. Her name is Martha Wells. Okay. Uh, her, yeah, she did a series, uh, called the Murderbot Diaries that I really, really loved. Um, but I remember she had a comment about world building that was create a world that your characters can live in. And even though hockey girl loves drama boy is contemporary fiction it's not fantasy that that is the approach that I take to mm. all of my work um so I knew I knew Ezra I knew Alex and I knew I wanted to create like environments where they could either flourish so like Al or sorry Ezra is in his element you know like yeah he has to deal with bullies but he also has this group of amazing friends he has theater you know he's very supported and he flourishes in that environment and you know like his character kind of expands and you know you see how comfortable he is Alex in contrast is someone who I mean she even talks about it at one point like she tries to make herself smaller you know because she's so anxious about how she's viewed by the people that she interacts with um and her one escape is the the ice rink the, her one escape is is hockey and that's where she's allowed to be as big as she is both physically and personality wise um so i thought about that a lot like giving these two characters environments where they could blossom basically and then you know when alex and ezra come together it's like they start blossoming together um yeah it's my favorite part of writing comics to be honest like just giving giving the the main characters supporting characters and then environments to just do their thing like it's so much fun to me um I don't know imagining yourself as a fly on the wall and just letting these characters talk yeah it is kind of like they're talking to me as I'm writing the script but um I will say that in order for me to get to that point I have to do the foundation first so I, I do have to like set up the world and set up the environments that these characters exist in before I get to the point where I can just like sit down and start writing and their voices really start talking to me in my head. Boy, nice. That sounds, that sounds no. a little odd, but no, it no, is as somebody, No, 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 yeah. no. As a novel, I'm a novelist. I understand. You do oh, it. Nice. They, okay. they whisper, yeah. they whisper to you. I'm actually, yeah. I'm doing a talk next week. It'll be last week when this comes out, but it's about like my contemplative practice, you know, and like, mm -hmm. as we all do, you talk to your people. They like, they, you'll go for a walk and you're like, set the intention. I need to get in your head. I need to know what's going on. I need to know what's bugging you. So I'll just take a walk and listen to music and, you know, and I've had the characters whisper to me, like, this is the end. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. Thanks. You know, so, I mean, or we're just crazy. It's fine, yeah. but we'll be trying. No, no, I, yeah. I, I, it, I, I think it's, I think it's the way a lot of writers look. I mean, unfortunately, I feel like you have to struggle a lot before you get to that point. Oh, like God, that's, yeah. that's the part of writing that for me is like really fun and exciting, but Oh my gosh. I, I mean, I struggle to get to that point. Like, well, that's writing the, is hard. Well, that's the last question because you you write these and you draw these yourself. And when I was talking to Brenna Thumbler recently, she scripts the whole thing before she draws, before she puts ink to paper. What about right. you? 
so I do write a script, but um, my very first draft of the script is what I call a thumbnail draft. Okay. So I basically do everything longhand and I jot, I do thumbnails and then jot in dialogue beside the thumbnails. So, you know, I'm, I'm, and nobody sees this draft. Like this is a very, very rough draft that is just for my eyes only. It's like literally stick figures. Um, Which is awesome. Reason- <laughs> I love that you, with all these skills, that's what you're doing. That's amazing. <laughs> well, because like, I want to work really quickly and I mm. want to work in a way that's disposable. So I don't want to spend a lot of time drawing a page that I'm going to toss out. So what this thumbnail draft allows me is that it allows me to think about the art while I'm writing the script. So I'm balancing the two. Cause you know, like I, I just find that when I sit down to write a script, it's like, I really need this thumbnail draft in order to figure out the pacing of the books, to figure out like the emotional responses of characters on the page. Um, so yeah, I, I always do that thumbnail draft first and then I go and like type up my script and refine it and then hand it to my editor. And then I, you know, once that is revised and we've done, you know, notes and edits, then that's, that's when I go to the drawing. To the real drawing. Nice. Yeah. So, cause it's like, you know, like I, I would never want to start a graphic novel without a script locked in because, you know, you, you just, drawing is so time consuming. Like you don't want to have to redraw pages. Like sometimes things will change a little bit as I'm drawing the book. Like sometimes I'll think of a better line of dialogue um, and do like small edits, but the spine of the story is there. The structure of the story is. But you know, because you're doing your own words and you're doing your own layouts. So, you know, well, I've still got the word balloons here. I can change this dialogue. It'll still fit. It doesn't screw anything up. It's not like you're like, oh, it's not. Yeah, that's awesome. Listen, Faith, I got to tell you, I love this book. Um, Again, listen, you talked about you. I love I love Rainbow and um, (laughs) Pumpkinheads is is glorious. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, That must have been super cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I know know we're not here to talk about that, but that's just super cool. Just say out loud. That's super cool. And um, what she's doing with Fangirl is also awesome. I don't know if you've been reading that. She's manga-izing that book. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm aware, yeah. That's pretty cool. And I, I feel like you broke that. You broke her in. You taught her how to do comics and now she's doing these other ones. So Pumpkinheads is, is glorious. And uh, congratulations you. on that. That's a really good Thank book. Thank you. Yeah, proud. I'm I'm really proud of it. I'm proud of how it looks. Um, yeah, because yeah, you, you drew that one. She wrote that one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so what she basically did was um, she wrote uh, what was essentially a screenplay. Um, okay. So it had, you know, all the dialogue, all the emotional beats, you know, all the descriptions in it. And I basically took that screenplay and broke it into comics. And yeah, Pumpkinheads was the result. And I think working that way with a writer was um, produced a better comic, you know, rather than um, rather than the writer trying to do panel breakdowns and stuff like that. Like, I, I feel like that those sort of things, it is. I don't know. I mean, I. I I feel like it's helpful when the artist is allowed to do those things. Um, so yeah, just, yeah. just a suggestion to writers out there um, who want to write comics. It's like, trust your artist. You know, your artist is your collaborator. So um, if they say there's too many panels on this page, please listen to them. Listen to them. I, I've, yeah. I've got a little tiny eight page thing that I'm working on. And that's what that's what Eric said to me. And I was like, okay, man. Yeah. Uh, my wife says, my wife, who's not a big, she's a librarian, but not a comic book nerd. It always bugs her that the artist's name is not at the top. 
Um, oh yeah. So at least on on a pumpkin heads, you guys are equal. Rainbow's name is up here, but your names are the same size font on the cover. Yes. So congratulations. Very important. That's Thank a very you. beautiful book, and um, just like all of your art. But anyway, so I just wanted I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that's lovely. And um, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. This oh my god, fun. it was it's just such a good book. So listen, people, thanks. this yeah. is a book. I mean, it is because there are you know. It is a young, it's a young adult book. Um, yes. You know, bear that in mind. I do think this would be, don't you think? I mean, there's definitely some mature enough, uh, you know, grade eight, as you would say, eighth graders. There's some 14 year olds, 13, 14 year olds who should get their hands on this. But, you know, don't hand yeah, it, it don't is, hand it to an eight year old. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. It is meant for teen readers. Um, it really depends on the teen, you know, what, what would be appropriate for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I hope teens and, and up will enjoy it. Uh, it's my very first all me graphic novel romance. So I hope. Wow. Well, and it's, you've, it. you've and crossed. again, stuck the landing. I, if Thank I you. would love sequels, but if there isn't one, I just, I, I just appreciate it so much. Endings are hard, aren't they? You nailed they it. are. So, they are. okay. You. So faithaaronhicks.com. What else, anything else, what else you got going on that we want to talk to people about that they should, um, if there's links in the show notes. Yeah, so I'll be at New York Comic Con um, the week uh, weekend of October, I think it's 13th. So Starts this will be out just before then. So if you're listening to this, go to okay. the New York Con and go. Yeah, go to New York Comic Con and come say hi to me. Um, you can also find me on Instagram, Faith Aaron Hicks. Uh, I'm also on Blue Sky, Faith Aaron Hicks. And yeah, my website is faithaaronhicks.com. I have lots of art and how to and silly little comics so yeah enjoy all of everybody that. should go there and is there a is there a soundtrack for this that we should uh, this, is there is there was your playlist or are you are you do you work in silence <laughs> no no i listened i listen to audiobooks like occasionally oh, okay. i listen to yeah. music but yeah i i've never had a playlist for any of my books but i see authors doing them and I, like, I do mm, it that all does of sound my cool. all of my like i love music i listen to music while i'm writing like while i do everything really yeah oh yeah yeah um mm. like all my books have soundtracks so like um, oh, okay. the book that's out now it's a lot of classic rock because she likes classic rock this next book that it's the editor now it's a lot of like um, like the kinks and Matt Nathanson and a lot of like more like so singer songwriter type stuff. So I have sound, like, I listen to music with words while I'm writing. Cause I'm a weirdo. Okay. My wife thinks I'm insane. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't know I, how you do that. Like I, I can listen to music while I'm drawing, but then mostly I listen to audiobooks cause I sure. you know that's what I enjoy, but no, I can't listen to anything when I'm, when I'm writing, yeah, I know. <laughs> which I is, know, which is really annoying. Way. Cause you know, it would be nice <laughs> to listen to music, but yeah. oh, that's amazing. Well, anyway, can't do well, it. I I'll think of, I'll play, I like to play some music on the way in and out. So um, okay. I, I've got a couple of things in mind, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it. So I'll surprise you when I send it, you'll hear what it okay. is on the way up. Thank you for your time. Thank you for this. This was glorious. People go by, click links in the show notes, go buy this, support this, go see Faith at the New York Con. I'm going to be in New York the week before. So that sucks. So it would have been uh, cool. But anyway, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thanks everybody. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. We were shining like Aurora Borealis. Like Sid sipping from the Stanley Chalice Balling in a bus across the USA Dumb enough to think that it could stay that way Lounging in the living room in Long John's More distant than Victoria to St. John's Trying to use a record to repair my heart I'd be lying if 
office said I didn't want to start again. My friend, you leave.